106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. It would be a direct assault on the fundamental right to self-determination, to live and love without interference from the government. At its core, this is about our future as a nation, about whether we live in a country where the government can interfere in personal decisions. About whether we live in a country where the government can interfere in personal decisions. serious? Now, just last month, Ms. McCarthy also told MSNBC that, quote, President Biden remains absolutely committed to not moving forward with additional drilling on public lands. Do you agree with Ms. McCarthy as to that statement, yes or no? Senator, I am working to lead the Department of the Interior. I get that, but do you agree with the statement or not? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't speak with Ms. McCarthy. I don't speak with them about any statements that they make. I, so. I didn't ask that. I asked whether you agreed with it. And your answer is you don't know. Uh, perfectly legitimate answer, I suppose, but uh, uh, troubling in some ways. Is it more environmentally friendly to develop and produce oil and gas resources off the coast of Louisiana, or is it more environmentally friendly to develop those resources, say, in Venezuela or in another country abroad, in terms of emissions, in terms of climate? Um, Senator, what I can say is that um, I think here in our country, we care deeply about workers. And uh, but that's not my question. My question is, what has the lowest emissions profile using Louisiana or American workers in the outer continental shelf off the Gulf with American companies and American regulations or Venezuelan standards and Venezuelan crude. Senator, I'm, I'm not an economist or an engineer or a scientist, um, but with respect- I'm almost out of time, and I, and I get a sense that this question's not gonna be answered straightforwardly, no offense. Well, hello, America. So I made a video a couple days ago uh, about that the mask mandate in Utah had expired, and that I don't understand why people are still so willing to give up their freedoms after bitching about these masks for so long. And this phenomenon has, has really kind of struck a chord with me because we've given up our freedom so easily and yet now you can have your freedom back and people don't want to do that. So I've been doing research and I came across a study that was done in the 60s by the KGB and what they found out with their test subjects as if they bombarded them with messages of fear and enough scare tactics of messages with lies that in a two month or less period, those people became completely brainwashed and that thereafter, no amount of messages clearly stated or otherwise to the contrary of the message they were originally given would change their mind. And that's what's happened. We've been completely brainwashed by fear. I never thought I was gonna have to make a video like this, but here we are.
And this video applies only to conservatives. True conservatism is the minority ideology of mainstream conservatism right now. And this is a big issue. I'm tired of y'all focusing on big government and socialism are going to destroy this country. Yeah, socialism is bad, but we have way bigger problems, such as the globalist regime, immigration, normalizing pornography, and normalizing the sexualization of children, such as the indoctrination that's pushing liberalism on all of our youth. This new normalization of degeneracy. True conservatism is America first. It's conserving American tradition, Christian morals, true nationalism, and patriotism. Conservatism is not capitalism is good and socialism sucks. Our America is being ripped to shreds right now by a globalist regime that we call our government. And I wasn't going to say it, but I have to now. If you call yourself a patriot, I hope you don't oppose what I'm about to say. Thanks to our Declaration of Independence, we have the power to stand up to a tyrannical government. So my question to you is, are you going to sit back on your couch posting on Facebook about how socialism is evil, or are you going to take your country back? In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 75. Uh, it was at this moment that he knew he f***ed up. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, and we're glad you're here. This is our episode uh, 165, and it should show up on uh, May 28th in the morning. And we're recording this here a couple days earlier, and it's kind of early evening over here in Northern California. It's kind of overcast, which has took the edge off the hot day. And uh, getting in a little early, feel good about that today. So I hope you had a good day today. And we're going to be here for six 20-minute segments. And then we have, have some good clips uh, in between, educational clips for you. And uh, you can reach me if you want to connect with me two ways. One, by phone. You can text me or you can call me at 530-713-1838. Again, 530-713-1838. If you need that again later, I'll mention it in re regards to something else as well. You can also email at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Lou at nohostagesradio.com. Um, if you're new to this, we do have a website that is nohostagesradio.com, and there you can find other podcasts from the past all the way back to episode one and articles that I write for uh, for public information and sometimes they make it into a paper called the Territorial Dispatch. You can check that paper every once in a while online if you're from out of the area at territorialdispatch.com 
and uh, they run occasional articles in there. It's hard to figure why, when, when and why. But uh, we appreciate their help, and uh, they also help us with advertising. They run some ads for us on our live show, which now also shows up on Saturday morning from 10 a.m. Left Coast time till uh, 1 in the afternoon. And uh, it's just a local uh, KMYC 1410 a.m. It's a local a.m. that reaches out, I don't know, few counties out. But you can always go on live365.com. That's a live stream live365.com and then click on radio and put in KMYC or look for KMYC and click on it and you can hear whatever's live streaming hopefully uh, we will it will be working when sometimes I don't I don't understand the technology sometimes it doesn't work I think it doesn't work over on our end but uh, we're doing better and better at fixing things like that so those are the ways you can connect with us and so I wanted to mention uh, something that's happening uh, here, but it's also maybe happening where you are around the United States. And some friends of mine who uh, are Catholics and have been very involved in the Catholic Church uh, for all the years I've known them, and that's the Berkey family. And Dr. Berkey has been a doctor, a highly regarded doctor, as well as his father was, uh, when, before he passed and, uh, Dr. Berkey, uh, they were orthopedic surgeons and, uh, Dr. Berkey's get phasing out of the active surgery realm. And so he and his wife wanted to take on a, a project that they felt they could really make a difference in our community and the lives of, of young people. And that's to start a Christian high school, a Catholic Christian or Christian Catholic, uh, and I thought, man, that, that sounds like a lot of work to me and starting it from scratch. I just assumed a lot of things, but didn't ask a lot of questions, but talked to him about it. And, uh, so, uh, anyway, I, uh, I heard that they had announced the launch of the, uh, their academy. And so I wanted to, uh, give it a little push it's, uh, but it's not just, it's just not a standalone school. It looks like the Catholics have put together a, uh, a series of schools or, a, or a, uh, a bunch of schools, more than three dozen, about three dozen schools, I think, around the United States, high schools that are called Chesterton Academies. And um, you can you can check it out. In fact, I have the website I pulled up here. I'm, I'm really fab. I've been looking at it today. And you could go to ChestertonSchoolsNetwork.org, ChestertonSchoolsNetwork.org, and um, check it out. And they have a, a, a listing of all their schools around the United States, and many of them have just started or are starting this year or starting next year. Many of them have started maybe a few years ago or last year. It's really a, a fresh, exciting movement of, of, of schools. And uh, so the nice thing is that for those who live in Northern California, there's, there's going to be a, a, a number of them that you can plug into. One is going to start in Grass Valley in Nevada County. One is starting in or has started in Sacramento County. You'll have to look these up on this website. And the one in Yuba City in Sutter County is going to start later this year, 2022. And it's going to be called Chesterton Academy of the Most Holy Eucharist. 
And uh, at the top of the website, I found this interesting. These two men decided to put together a, a really faith-driven academy. And uh, Dr. Berkey mentioned it one day. I was standing talking to him and his wife, Susan. And, and he said, Lou, we really want to focus on helping kids uh, seek their calling in life, not just giving them a lot of information and getting good grades and educating them well, but we really want to help them get in touch with uh, what God is calling them to do with their life and get them focused in high school. And I thought that that is really great. And so these two fellows, there's this paragraph right in the top of the website. It says, when we began Chesterton Academy, in, twin, in the Twin Cities, this is the Twin Cities back in, I think, Minneapolis or something. In 2008, that's when the first one started. It was just they just wanted to start a school <clears throat> to help kids have an alternative high school because the school system is so crummy in the United States. Uh, we never dreamed, they said, that our model of education would attract interest around the world. Today, there are currently 34 schools operating as part of the network in the U.S. and Canada with several additional schools slated to open in 2022 uh there's also a sister school in italy <clears throat> so there was another school uh, similar to what they were doing and the, some of the catholic leaders got the two schools together and it's amazing on some of the similar philosophies they had about uh what we should really be doing in high school and uh, so they call i call it the gk chester uh chesterson schools and uh, Chester 10 schools. So anyway, um, if you look up his his life, G.K. Chesterton was quite a philosopher. He was a Christian apologist and uh, very, very bright guy and, and wrote some uh, very uh, challenging books. So if you're interested, you can go to uh, a website, um, C-A-M-H-E dot org, C-A-M-H-E Dot org, or I'm going to give you a phone number, 530-673-2217. Uh, or you could email sberkey, S-B-U-R-K-Y, at stisadoresschool.org, stisadoresschool.org. She's a principal, Susan Berkeley is a principal of St. Isidore's School uh, in Yuba City. And Isidore's is I-S-I-D-O-R-E-S, uh, or St. Isidore Schools, S-T-I-S-I-D-O-R-E, and then school.org. So uh, anyway, check it out, and it's going to be here in Yuba City, and I think you will enjoy it. Your child will enjoy it, and it'll get a superior education to what you're getting in the if your child is in the public education system. And uh, I know at the Church of Glad Tidings, where I attend, we have done a lot with, with young people that have finished school uh, finished high school, trying to help them focus on the challenges of the world we live in and help them understand uh, philosophically what they're up against and the difference in philosophy of, of the media and the institutions they're dealing with and the difference in philosophy of, of a biblical philosophy. And, uh, and so that philosophy should permeate through their relationships, the biblical philosophy, and their work life, uh, their mission, life, whatever they're called to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm pretty excited, and I'm glad that I, th I heard they announced it, and it's it's now getting kind of pushed around a little bit. So uh, congratulations, Berkey's, and we'll push it as they need help. And uh, there's also other schools. There's a number of um, 
If you're ever lack for a school, you can just text me and I'll help you find a school, some schools that you could choose from for your youngsters, uh, whether they're just starting out in school uh, or uh, they're in middle school, whatever. There's some good all private alternatives. And uh, you can reach me at my number, 530-713-1838, or just email me. Uh, I'll be happy to, to give you some, uh, some options. I'm not going to shoot on you. I'm just going to tell you some, some great options where people have had some good experiences. I want to mention uh, something Chrisanne Hall says, who I follow what she says all the time. Every week I'm watching what she's commenting on, and uh, because she's, she's laser-focused on the Constitution, and my, how we are ignorant of the Constitution, I'm not just I'm just not talking about you being able to read it, but uh, what what went into it and what's philosophically behind it or underpinning the Constitution. She says, if your state denies you then the inherent natural right to defend life, liberty or property, then you are enslaved to either the state or the criminal realm. In other words, the state can lock you up if you uh, violate the laws of the land and hurt your neighbor. So let me just say that again, because a lot of you just will, will just let the state just take your stuff and won't do much about it. If your state denies you the inherent natural right to defend your life, liberty, or property, you are enslaved to either the state or the criminal realm. And this is, uh, that's also, you could check her out at libertyfirstsociety.com. She does online education. Your kids should be involved in that. Uh, she does Facebook uh, posts where she, she has a, uh, a, a live Facebook post. She has long teachings, one-hour teachings, half-hour teachings. This, I think, I mentioned last week, but I, I just think it's so important. I'm going to mention it again that she wrote. This is incredibly uh, life-changing for us in America. It says today, this is a couple weeks old now, the court, she means the Supreme Court, holds that a federal bureaucracy can make an obvious factual error and nothing can be done about it. No court may even hear the case. It is a bold claim promising dire consequences for countless. And it is such a, an unlikely assertion of raw administrative power that not even the agency that allegedly erred nor any other arm of the executive branch endorses it. Today, ma the majority acts, talking about the majority of the Supreme Court, acts on its own to shield the government from the embarrassment of having to correct even its most obvious errors. Respect respectfully, I dissent. And that was just a an abbreviated version of the dissent of Justice Neil Gorsuch. He was the only Supreme Court judge that that uh, resisted this case called Patel versus Merrick Garland. Uh, I, you know, the state, uh, the government has been involved in, I think when I brought this up before, I may, may have referred to the... Uh, the taking over the property of the Bundys and the taking over the property of the Hammond family up in Oregon. And it's just been, if you, if you read range magazine, which I would recommend everybody get it, it comes out, I think every two months or every quarter. I, I, I do multi-year subscriptions to it. It's just a wonderful magazine and even great to donate to. It's, it's a one of a kind magazine, 
but there's article after article of families that have generationally, multi-generations have, have taken and taken just raw uh, pasture and raw land and turned it into something productive and managed the ecology and improved the environment. And then the government comes in through the Bureau of Land Management or EPA and, and forces them off the land through changing the rules and changes the permit rules and taking away their water rights. It's, it's the, uh, it's, you know, it's not just wrong, it's evil. It's beyond, you know, there's wrong, said that's wrong, you shouldn't have done that. Then there's just plain evil. And the government just gets out there into evil. I remember where there was a guy that uh, he collected rainwater. He had a low area in his property, he had cattle. And uh, he just, uh, you know, kind of uh, tricked it out, the area, so the water would collect there and the cattle would have a place to drink, easy place to drink. And the government came in and fined him millions of dollars for uh, stealing their water, I think it was. I, and there's been just incredible, just, this isn't just one, this isolated case. There's been case after case after case where people, they go in and they take uh, a uh, raw milk farms, all their stock, uh, take some of their herd, d damage their products. They just run roughshod like cops would into a narcotics raid, and it's just wrong. And what Neil Gorsuch is saying is the government does not have a right uh, to do misdeeds and not have to pay for them. And the problem is is when you have people that are, are not elected, they're bureaucrats, and whether they're working for the fishing game or what they call fish and wildlife, what do they call it now, or they're they're working for some pest control operation, or some some county ag group, or some federal or state ag group, or some mining uh, commission, or some uh, contractors license board or cosmetology board. They should be liable for their misdeeds, and uh, and they certainly uh, have done criminal literally criminal acts against good hard-working salt of the earth type people in our country and it happens over and over again and they get away literally with murder so uh someone sent this to me this week welcome to build back better where it's easier to get fentanyl than baby formula so i've i've uh, been working on an article on the baby formula thing and i talked quite a bit about it last week and uh, it's very sad what's going on in the baby formula. A baby formula that you buy in the store is horrible for your children. And uh, don't go ahead and get mad at me. I got a lot of people always mad at me because I, I just don't go along to get along. Uh, the, the amount of sugar and a lot of the baby formula in America is, is more than what's in a, a full-blown Coca-Cola. Not Diet Coke, but full-blown. You know, four-on-the-floor Coca-Cola. Uh and if, when you want to look for, for why kids are chubby, full of diabetes, full of all kinds of diseases as young kids, uh, you can look right there where mom uh, decides to put them on formula. Or can't maybe that's her only alternative. Maybe, maybe mom died and grandma's feeding them. But there all, are alternatives. I'm not going to shoot on anybody, tell them what they should do. I've, I've been involved in, in uh, some alternatives that were very helpful, but I'm not going to go there. You can sort that out on your own. But I'll tell you, the baby formula that's being sold in this country is garbage. And uh, this, uh, this uh, lack of baby formula, empty shells, hopefully will draw people's attention to what kind of garbage and the scam that's being run on the American people, the taxpayers that are paying for all this baby formula, 
somebody else is producing the children, but the taxpayers are paying for somebody else's baby to drink garbage, and it's a big corporate ripoff is what it is for Nestle and all these big companies like Abbott. So, uh, But the sad thing is it's easier for me to score some fentanyl. In fact, I could probably score some fentanyl within 30 minutes right now, and it would be harder for me to go out and find a can of baby formula. Uh, but that's the way it is. In fact, it will probably be a lot harder uh, for me to get into a drug rehab. Let's just go go down the drug rehab rabbit hole for a minute. If in in Ubisutter counties, it'd probably be easier for me to register for college than it is to get into a drug rehab if I'm strung out on heroin or strung out on fentanyl. Every week, somebody is dying on fentanyl, and many are overdosing. But the uh, the government employees enlisted and uh, uh, described that they're supposed to be dealing with this, including our, our, our death doctor, Dr. Liu, uh, are, are derelict in their duty. I like that term, derelict. Remember, we used to call alcoholics derelicts. She's derelict in her duty, along with many other social worker types at behavioral health. They are treating people worse than animals on the streets by not getting them into get, getting help immediately immediately the 911 system is more like what i'm interested in and getting people help when they call for it some people think oh well let them just suffer for a while let them call for it for a while suffer for it go here go there run over here have to get this jump through this soup walk around uh without shoes on in the heat uh, be sick they deserve it they're just dirt bags right that's the attitude of a lot of government people so uh that's what it's like to uh, try to get addiction help. That's why we're a lot of people are dying. A lot of people won't say this because they don't have any backbone, but I'll just say it for them. What they really want is the people to drop dead so they'll, they'll be rid of them. And uh, they'd rather have them do that than go through the work of having them see, get, see them get a new life. All right, we'll be right back. we got five more segments to go. Get a 12 o'clock appointment to get vaccinated. Welcome. Please sit down. I heard the vaccine has a chip in it. No, there aren't any chips in it. What are you talking about? I want the chip. Come on, give it to me, damn it. Ah, a Moderna man. Yes, I'll take the Moderna. Come on. If chips are what you want, chips are what you'll get. I've stuck myself with so many steroids, I won't defeat thing. <laughs> Here you go, Arnold. Warning. There might be some side effects. Put it in and not worried about side effects. Come on. Yeah. 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 What's happening? Yeah. I feel fantastic. Yeah. Clips. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. 
which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. <laughs> and it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids. Because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. Although common sense should tell you that when you reverse the course of raging hormones, there's going to be problems. We do know it hinders the development of bone density, which is kind of important if you like having a skeleton. <laughs> Fertility and the ability to have an orgasm seem also to be affected. This isn't just a lifestyle decision, it's medical. Weighing trade-offs is not bigotry. Yet when a book questioning the sudden uptick in transitioning children was released, a trans lawyer with the ACLU named Chase Strangio tweeted, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. Yes, part of the rise in LGBT numbers is from people feeling free enough to tell it to a pollster, and that's all to the good. But some of it is, it's trendy. The LA Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. <laughs> but hormone blockers and genital surgery, fine. Talk about a nut allergy. <laughs> I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly. And that is very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different. It's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids. It's all phases. The dinosaur phase. The Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut. The next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. So while I don't push the right buttons in the right sequence and I don't get things right and then I have to get all these guys to help me fix this program so I just saw this uh, I don't know whether you've um, uh, watched this 
I don't I don't have a television, so I don't watch these people on television a lot unless it stumbles across the internet. And this Pete um, Buttigieg uh, was talking, and there's a meme of him. Uh, he's quite an interesting guy, just the way he comes across when he's been interviewed at one of these subcommittees at the Senate or the uh, House of Representatives. And uh, a lot of the attitude of the Biden administration is that, oh, you can't afford the gas? Buy an electric car, right? Totally a disconnect with what uh, people are facing out here today. And a total uh, deception on the fact that the electric car is actually has a bigger car, huge carbon footprint, is not green in any, any stretch of the imagination, is in any way, in any doing any math, and any person that's wanting to look clearly at an electric car, they are in no way green. They never will be green. And it says if you can't buy afford a uh, gas, buy an electric car. Uh, this person said that's as foolish as saying if you're homeless, then you need to buy a house, right? So I thought that was good because uh, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, I want to talk a little bit. Up. I had this article last week. And I thought so fascinating. People. People are so uh, bright, and they come up with thinking that I thought, "How man, why? I don't even think of those thoughts like that. And so uh, I was going to talk about this last week, and I ran out of time. It says, according to a piece published Monday by the uh, electric vehicle-centric outlet called Green Car Reports, a British-based independent emissions testing firm found that, here you go, listen closely, found that particulate, that's little pieces of particles particulate matter emissions from tires you thought you're going to say exhaust right nope from tires you going down the road and parts of your tires actually come off a little bit at a time right because eventually you say whoa my tires disappeared i need new tires so this testing firm found that particulate matter emissions from tires are 1,850 times greater under normal driving conditions than from what's coming out the tailpipe. Now, you didn't, if you, if you haven't lived a long time, you haven't lived long enough to see a horrible smoke. Back in the day, some cars that had, were just running bad or had a bad engine, you'd get behind them and just blue smoke and black smoke would just billow out of those babies. That was smog back then, particulates. But nowadays, uh, we, we got a whole different thing going in the world, and now tires are the big polluter. Now, you probably never thought, I never thought of tires as a polluter. So the emissions analytics had previously found that 2020, the year 2020, that particulate emissions from tires could be a thousand times greater than those of tailpipes. Would you, so so now how was how the green car going to be different than the, quote, fossil fuel car? But when researchers replicated the test across a wide range of driving conditions, they found the number was very much higher than 1,000 times greater than what comes from tailpipes. The fundamental trends, they said, that drive this ratio are that the tailpipe particulate emissions are very much lower on new cars nowadays, and tire wear emissions increase with the vehicle mass and the aggressiveness of the driving. In other words, the heavier the vehicle and the more aggressiveness of the driving, you ever seen those deals on TikTok where the car's just spinning, 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 spinning? They're, they're like got the f pedal to the metal and they're spinning brodies. So th in that deal, they're blowing off a lot of particulates, right? But even in just regular driving, you can, you can just send off a lot of tire particulates. So 
these people push it, push, preaching this green thing are lying, lying, lying. They're never telling the truth. Never. They are never telling the truth. It isn't like 50-50. Furthermore, they found that adding half a metric ton, half a metric ton is 1,100 pounds. And when you add 1,100 pounds of battery weight, you know, my battery is just a little box, you know, in, in the front of my Honda Element. It's maybe weighs 10 pounds, right? But when you add 1,100 pounds of battery weight, it can result in tire emissions that are almost 400 more times greater than the real world, world tailpipe emissions, all else being equal. So that's a big problem for car makers, right? So considering that electric cars already have a tendency to be heavier, they're a heavier car. Electric cars are much heavier than gas cars because of the weight of the batteries, right? And the fact that buyers want that, you know, the electric car, bat, what are electric car buyers wanting? They're wanting more range, more range. They don't want to stop and plug in and have to wait for hours for the thing to juice up. So the weight of the batteries uh, uh, vary they, among electric cars, but they average about a thousand pounds. Let's just call it a thousand pounds. Well, that is a huge amount of weight, right? Like if you added that to a, a pickup truck and drove around forever and with these gas prices, you would say, man, I'm going to get out of the pickup business. So anyway, uh, it's a big problem. According to uh, a report, the battery powered, like if you take a Ford F-150, uh, they call it an F-150 Lightning. It weighs 1,600 pounds more than a regular F-150. I guess it's a ga it's electric, right? F-150 Lightning. But it, it weighs 1,600 pounds more than the regular gas one. Then you take the Volvo XC40 Recharge, it packs an extra 1,000 pounds of weight when compared to the X, XC40 with internal combustion. So the point is that these things are, are wearing out the tires faster, sending out a lot more particulates, right? So check this out. In, in Paris, the city of Paris, a state-owned public transport operator pulled, took off the road 149 of its buses, after two of them exploded last month, they're electric, and the electric ones just blew up. The batteries blew up. Also in April, a house fire caused by an electric vehicle charger in the Washington, D.C. area was reported to have caused $15,000 in damage. Now think about that. You have to have a special charging device and outlet in your in your uh, garage or wherever, you, wherever you're going to have it. Uh, Sorry, my phone is going off here, and I had it turned off. But it just wants to come back from the dead is what it wants to do. So the, you have to have a special device, and if the device malfunctions, you can blow your blow your house up, right? Just like any other electric thing. As uh, So last week, another D.C. area house fire caused by an electric car charger generated $350,000 in damages. Sound like the whole house went down. So th check this out. You've seen these public chargers around, these devices at airports and stuff. You can pull in and plug in. And so uh, now they want to put them everywhere, right? Well, a study, they did a study in the San Francisco Bay Area. You think the San Francisco Bay Area would be up to speed on every type of device, cool and technological, right? Even though they got piles of crap everywhere and needles, you'd think that they'd have the plugins all squared away. But a study in San Francisco Bay Area earlier this year found that over a quarter, 25% of the charging stations were broken. 
And I just went, I, I get my car uh, washed here, nearby here. This new car wash is pretty cool, and it's fast, and it's cheap. And I go out, and, and already, oh, they got, you know, all these places where you can vacuum out your car and, and blow out the car and all that stuff. It's cool. You can do it yourself. And I already noticed that the va a lot of the vacuums are, are plugged up or, you know, they're broken. They need to be repaired. It's not, it doesn't reflect on the company. It's just like stuff breaks and needs to be fixed. So these charging stations aren't being fixed. So they aren't fully functioning. So there, then, then, then there's a length of time it takes to charge at the public stations. Uh, and one, uh, one business journalist, uh, wrote in a tweet, uh, well, I'll just leave that out. And, and just, so th these are the factors that make it not green, right? If you're sitting and you got to sit and you, you, you blow up something or, you, or the, you cannot find a place to charge your car or you have to sit there for hours, then there's the environmental damage caused by mining the minerals needed to build the components. I covered that in detail. You can listen to last week's show for that. Or the fact that China controls most of the supply chain access to those minerals, many of them just in Africa. They bought them all up there. Uh, or the fact that the the if you go to buy one of these electric vehicles, a Tesla, I think the cheaper Tesla is, what are they, fifty or 55000 One of my friends bought it. One and she said, Lou, I want you to sit in it and write in it. I said, so it's just a car, right? She said, oh, yeah, you won't believe it. Just get in and, and the acceleration is amazing. But she bought one of the cheaper Teslas, uh, lower line, I guess, simpler. And uh, I think she spent 50 or 55. But you, but you know who we, we give her thousands and thousands of dollars, my friend. Uh, you know where that thousands and thousands of dollars, 7,000 here, 5,000 here, rebates. And those rebates come from you and me uh, because we're driving these old used cars. <laughs> uh, I just think the whole thing is fascinating that they're pitching it as green and there's nothing green about it. There's nothing green about solar. There's nothing green about uh, the fossil fuel is the greenest thing we got going. And uh, so since I'm talking about fossil fuel, they call it fossil fuel. It's a misnomer. In other words, it's been misnamed because uh, – the idea was that the the somebody came up with the idea. It's kind of probably Charles Darwin that oil came from decomposing creatures that now we have fossils. So we call it fossil fuel. In other words, we see the the imprint of these creatures that died and and their their uh, decomposition made oil. That is not true, because guys that really are geologists know that that you know some of the scientists concluded that the lowest the the deepest fossil has been found at like around 16,000 feet into the earth, right? But oil is found way below that. Now, if oil's way below that, like 30,000 feet in some instances, where did that oil come from? They, there was no fossils and there were no creatures dying down there. So it just doesn't all pan out. It's just like a lot of things they, you're told in life. Remember they told you about Santa Claus and the tooth fairy and all that stuff and the stork hauling in babies and stuff, flying in low? That didn't work out either. So this guy writes this, this cool thing here. I may have to split it up into the next section. He's, he's got a, in his hand, he's got this little flask of just old motor oil that came out of the, right out of the ground. Not, you know, it's not motor oil, just oil, crude oil. I'm holding in my hand a 140 milliliter sample of Louisiana light. 
in parentheses, sweet crude. I collected it myself from a process separator aboard the protection facility I worked on the Gulf of Mexico. It may not seem like much to you, but it really is a very remarkable substance. It's more than 50 million years old and came from an oil reservoir that's almost 20,000 feet underground. Now, I don't agree with the 50 million, but don't let's not get caught up with that. But he says it came from 20,000 feet underground. That amazing. Uh, Very soon it will travel hundreds or maybe even thousands of miles on its journey to become one of the many products that crude oil is refined into. It has a dark, earthy brown color, is slightly less viscous. Then tap water tastes worse than it smells and is the lifeblood of the world economy. Believe it or don't, but this sample represents the single most valuable commodity in existence today. Without it, nearly every facet of modern civilization stops. Um, hold on, let me let me just scroll my. It stops immediately. It stops. This this sample contains about 00.28% of my facility's daily crude oil output. Output. That's uh, two, uh, almost three one thousandths uh, of a percent. That's their daily output. That's in this one bottle he's got. But it is less than four hundredth of a millionth of one percent of the United States daily crude oil consumption. Do you hear me? It's less than four one hundredth. 400 millionths of 1% of United States crude oil consumption. It's also an infinitely small amount when compared to the four plus trillion barrels of known domestic crude oil reserves. That means there's a frickin' buttload of crude oil right here in the good old USA. It's enough to sustain us for more than 400 years, which is way longer than we'll need sustaining for because we'll probably be extinct by then he said okay maybe not but maybe so who knows i'm not sure one thing is certain though there's no shortage of domestic crude oil and more is being discovered every single day so we'll likely still be discovering new oil reserves long after we're extinct maybe not well who knows anyway so what's the point of this what i have what why have i told you all this it's to expose you to the truth about crude oil and the oil industry because you have been lied to, not by me. You've been lied to the by the phony president and his phony cronies, but I want to set the record straight. I'm going to tell you the truth, so please pay attention. Number one, there's enough recoverable crude oil within the continental U.S. to supply current and projected future demand for 400-plus years, and that's just the oil we know about. It doesn't account for future discoveries. Number two, we do not need to import a single drop of foreign crude oil that the domestic oil industry can easily meet and even surpass domestic demand. We've done it before. We can do it again. That's fact. Number three, the domestic oil industry currently cannot satisfy domestic demand due to oil drilling restrictions imposed by the government. That's a fact. The price, the, for the price of everything, in caps bold, revolves around oil and the law of supply versus demand dictates the price of oil. When oil is plentiful, commodities will get cheap. When oil is scarce, commodities are going to be more expensive. Right now, domestic oil is scarce, and the price of everything is high because of those restrictions imposed imposed by the federal government, and that's a fact. Uh, Number five, we import foreign oil from countries that drill and produce it much cheaper than we're able to because they do not implement all of the environmental safeguards that we use. 
Their methods are far more destructive to the environment than ours are. And that's a fact. Number six, every year, the federal government leases tracts of land to oil companies so they can explore on it for oil. If enough oil is found during exploration, the company can then apply for a drilling permit, which allows them to drill a well. If no oil is found during exploration or if the amount found is not enough to be profitable, the lease expires without ever being drilled on. Leases that are active but not being drilled on does not mean that oil companies are being lazy or are trying to keep the oil for themselves. It means that either uh, they've either explored the lease for oil and found nothing or found oil but it's not enough to justify drilling there. That's just the way it is. Number seven, uh, it's not Russia's fault or China's fault or Ukraine, or India, or Venezuela, or Iran, Bangladesh, or any other country's fault as to why everything is so expensive right now. It's Joe Biden's fault, because he is suppressing the domestic oil industry for political gain. Those are the facts, Jack. You see, I don't take it kindly when he and his cohorts go on national TV and bullface lie to the American public about the industry. I don't appreciate when my hard work and dedication is eroded by corrupt self-serving politicians who don't know Jack about this trade. It doesn't sit right with me when they promote an unsustainable alternative energy policy that benefits themselves and their corrupt business partners while leaving people like me and you with barely a pot to piss in. It's all kind of rubs me the wrong way, you know? especially since pretty much everything depends on crude oil, but you might not know that if you believe the lies that are being told about oil and the oil industry. If you've made it this far, congratulations. You're now much more knowledgeable about the oil industry than most of our politicians are. So what should you do with all of this new knowledge? Anyway, that's, I thought that was a great, uh, a great clip talking about oil and it's just as simple as that folks i've been doing lots of reading watching listening about oil and uh and uh, because i'm a follower of god i'm confident where that oil came from in fact the bible i've been reading through the the book of genesis and it talks about people falling into the asphalt or falling into pits that are tar pits and asphalt and where oil was just oozing out of the ground Back then, you didn't have to drill for it. It was like saying, come and get me. God was saying, come and get me. You're going to need this someday. And so God has placed just like it's a miracle where, where mankind was brought to the earth, created on the earth. And it just so happens that the this, this is the only planet with oxygen. This is the only planet with water that we can get at and drink. This is the only planet with all these trees and grasses and fruits and stuff that feed us and this is the only planet with oil that can make all our equipment run and and make all our technology and even some of our uh, medicines and all that kind of stuff work isn't it just a coinkadink so uh we're going to be right back and i'm going to talk i'm going to talk about a little bit of politics and and the power of incumbents you know what an incumbent is well hopefully after i get done you're going to know and understand what incumbents are and what incumbency means so thank you for listening and we'll be right back
just cheeky checking. You do know, don't you, all of you greenie, I've got an electric car, I'm saving the planet. You do know that electricity doesn't like come from the air, don't you? You don't. You know that it doesn't just come down a magic pipeline. You know that we have to actually make electricity by either nuclear or fossil fuels or whatever. You do. You do know that, don't you? Because it seems to me a bit like like the whole NHS is free. No, it's not. It's free at the point of use. Someone has to pay. Same with electricity. Electricity comes from a cable, but it still has to be generated. It's not actually green or better for the environment in and of itself. You do, you do realise that, don't you? While you're just up there on your moral high ground or sat in your Tesla for 40 minutes charging your car like some sort of moron. Okay, perfect. Great. We're often told you can't make this stuff up. Well, of course you could. You can make anything up. But why would you have to? The whole six script is writing itself. It's doing the surveillance and actually doing what I call germ games, where you practice. You say, okay, what if uh, a bioterrorist brought smallpox to 10 airports? You know, how would the world respond to that? Uh, you know, that there's NAFTA really caused epidemics and bioterrorism caused epidemics that could even be way worse than what we experience today. Could even be way worse than what we experience today. See, we live in a strange time, a time where the president of the United States has been briefed on the fine art of hollow visual virtue signaling by wearing a ritualistic shame muzzle as he walks alone down the steps of Air Force One only to take off said muzzle to greet a crowd of people and come in close personal contact with them by shaking their hands, getting in their faces for a brief conversation, and snapping close-knit pictures for photo ops, while fake stream media looks the other way and never challenges the clear hypocrisy. Makes perfect sense. And if you disagree, well, you must be a right-wing, bigoted, dangerous white supremacist that should be placed on the no-fly list and have his firearms forcibly removed. Welcome to today's America. Gives the upper hand to Democrats. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We're now seeing mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin, now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet, above all they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What, what is our medical condition? Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. 
I know that in recent years, we saw populist politicians undermining deliberately the trust that people have in important institutions like universities, like respectable media outlets. These populist politicians told people that, say, scientists are this small elite disconnected from the real people. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's all. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief Businessman there Drink my wine Come and dig my earth All right, well, this is our third out of six segments, and uh, I want to uh, thank a couple people before I get on to this incumbency topic. Uh, one is I was just texting with uh, Will Fanning with All Power Services. I got a little problem on a house. I got, got these Afghan refugees living in, and the, uh, the stove's malfunctioning, and Will was going to go over and fix it tonight, but I waved him off. I got another plan. So, uh, But Will Fanning and Josh James, they can fix anything. These guys are amazing. I just started bringing up a problem, a broken problem, this, that, and the other thing. He said, well, Lou, if, if it isn't this, then it's this, and if you do this, then it, it, it just his mind just thinks through the whole problem. Boom. All power services can fix your car, your truck, your motorcycle, your chainsaw, your any kind of equipment that has a motor to it. If you need them to fabricate something for you, we just had some fabricators, uh, not Will, but a different guy, fabricate these new rails, um, these banisters at this 100-year-old complex we have, and they just did such a super job. I just was so impressed with their, their skill and craftsmanship and artistry, and uh, then we went and hand-painted everything. It was just really uh, great to work with great craftspeople, and that's what we have, Josh James and Will Fanning. They're great. So <clears throat> they will help you get your stuff back in order. All Power Services, 530-844-0347, 844-0347. And uh, they are 1469 Stewart Road in Yuba City, and that's just south of the main part of the city. And uh, you can reach them by Gmail if you want to, like, check them out a little bit, ask them a question, allpower1469 at gmail.com, allpower1469 at gmail.com. And you give them a shout out, and they will take. They will treat you right. Everybody, everybody I talk to, they just like. I think I think Josh just keeps his nose right into the work. But everybody running into these guys says, "Oh, that Will, he's a nice guy. He's, I liked it. I had a good experience there. I also want to meet the guys with the uh, Canary Yellow Auto Shop, Allen's Auto Body. It's been there for I don't know fifty years. That thing has been there, but. Uh, Kevin and Kerry Clark took it over. He worked there for so many years, and then when previous owners retired, he took it over. and And they they put my, they all I take my car to them when it breaks, and they fix it. I break it, they fix it, and uh, they do a beautiful job and treat you nice. So down on Sutter Street, just go to the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter, and it's bright. You can't miss it. It's canary yellow. I call it canary yellow. And you can dial him up at 530-671-1057. So friendly. These guys are very nice, friendly, honest, 
and they will fix your car. 671-1057, car, truck, or whatever device you have that you want to slick up. Okay, and then uh, just since I, since I got you down on Sutter Street, you, if you just look over to the right with your back to the front door, you'll see North Valley Paralegal at 751 Sutter, and that's Nellie Garcia. So if you have some legal issues, she's the gal in town to get, get you taken care of, and she'll do it uh, better, faster, cheaper, nicer, more honester. She's honester than the average person. And uh, you can dial her up at 530-751-9289, 751 Sutter Street. They're right within a stone's throw of each other, North Valley Paralegal and Allen's Auto Body. They help us stay on the air, the air here. So, uh, okay. All right. That's what I want to do. I want to talk about incumbency because I'm always fascinated. I've, I've, uh, I've always voted. I, well, I had a few blank years there that are kind of a, a blur to me, but most of my years I voted. And uh, and I usually do my best to look at the candidates and don't I don't usually go in into a booth or vote without some knowledge, right? And uh, so the, the whole thing of people that are incumbents are people that are already in office that, that de- desire to stay in office. We call them incumbents, right? And it's very difficult to, if you've noticed, to remove incumbents. As you notice at, at our federal level, uh, the uh, we have people that are almost 90 years old. In fact, I just saw uh, Diane Feinstein, who I've watched through her whole career, come up as a mayor of San Francisco, and then she became an assemblywoman. I think she moved up to this, the state legislature and then became a senator. Well, when I saw her the other day, I thought, Girl, uh, you need to go to a rest home. It, it, you just, you know, Nancy Pelosi. There's several of them there that uh, uh, they 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 should not be making decisions, uh, even over what we're having for dinner. But those are called incumbents, and uh, this the, there's been research done on incumbency. On on you ever wondered like how many of them actually ever get removed, <laughs> right? Do you need to, like, rape a few kids or slit your wife's throat or slit your husband's throat to get voted out of office? So uh, th- one research study that was done was that they studied uh, uh, state races and local election in America's 100 largest cities by population in 2019. The An average of 90 percent, 9 out of 10 incumbents, won their reelection bids. Now, some of that is skewed because, just like where we are today, a lot of the incumbents are running unopposed. That's a bad deal, isn't it? I think it's good to have people have opposition. I mean, no no uh, elected official likes to have opposition. I was on the school board. I never even ran. They appointed me to be on the school board, and no one ever ran against me. No one really wanted to be on that board. Uh, but it was – I thought, oh, man, I wonder if I'm going to have to – actually have a campaign of something right and it's it's just work right that's what it is it's one thing it's work particularly if you're doing it as a volunteer and you're not getting paid you're not getting paid for it. you're not getting a salary for it so anyway 90 percent of incumbents nationwide uh won won their re-election bids so if you look at our local election here in yuba sort of counties i i don't know i didn't add them up but is there 50 percent or 40 percent of the people that are up for re-election uh 
maybe 40, 50 percent didn't even have any opposition. Maybe it's even bigger than that. The two sheriffs didn't have any opposition and the two and uh, just a lot of them. So anyway, uh, that's not my point. So I want to I want to just say the the incumbent win rate for state seats remains uh, over. It was it was at 95 percent. If you don't add in Kentucky, which for some reason had very low, a uh, lot lower incumbent incumbency wins, state legislative incumbents had a 97 percent average win rate. Local elections saw an average incumbent win rate of 89 percent. Uh, the lowest. And, and so anyway, it's like almost all of them win. Right. It's very hard to to uh, get them out. So. Why? The question might be why, because we know that incumbents don't necessarily do a great job. I mean, we see it at, at multiple levels. They're just corrupt. They're uh, they're never do wells. They're politicians. They're not patriots, and they're just hangers honors. And they are not. They're not. Uh, they're not sharp anymore. They're like people that have worked for a business for years and years and years, and they just don't care anymore. They just go to work and and. Uh, Anyway, so advantages of incumbency. It, so one is they're well-known. So if you're in office for a while, the newspapers got your name. Every time they run your name on the media or wherever, it's your name's getting out there. Whether it's a senator, whether you're a PTA president, your name's getting out there. Oh, yeah, that's Susie Jones. Yeah, Susie Jones, she's our president. She's a, Susie Jones, she's had the oh, talk, call Susie, call Mrs. Jones. So you get your name out there, right? When it comes time to vote, name recognition is one of the primary benefits of incumbency and uh it's name identification with a friendly connotation so even people that that uh get on people's nerves uh, if they they don't have somebody really sharp running against them they'll win every time and uh so uh this association is often enough to uh overcome challenges from obscure rivals people that have never run for office before they may be wonderful people and uh and and then the office holder always says, well, they'll never know as much as I know. Well, nobody knows as much as the person that's been in there four years, six years, eight years, two years. It's impossible. Uh, you, every job has skills that you learn on the job. The second thing is that the incumbents get institutional support. So um, when you're running within the system, officials can use many of the advantages that come with their office. Like they'll send out mailers and like say, oh, we w I want to know your feelings about this. I want to know your feelings about that. And we love you and thank you for your support. And they pay for it with our tax dollars. And then interest groups already know your name. So they want to they want to help you. Right. Uh, unions and the tobacco lobby and all the various lobbies, pharmaceutical lobbies. And so they know your name. They know how to get a hold of you. They have your uh, quick dial numbers. They know all that stuff. That's number two. Number three, fundraising is lots easier. You have connections. People maybe like what you do. And maybe people have something coming up in the near future in the local county or the city, and they want some favor. So they say, hey, you know, I want to support your race. They, everyone wants to bet on a winner, right? So they know the incumbents, is, incumbents are probably going to win, so they throw down with the incumbent. And that's how that works. And it breeds incest political incest and it breeds corruption this is what breeds corruption and our founding fathers had a disdain for it they hated it they did not want it they tried to prevent it so the disadvantages of, of incumbency 
uh, or if you've had a horrible track record and people can point it out, right? But most people are so busy today that they, they can't keep up with the track record. They just they think, oh, is he still in office? I, don't, I haven't heard from him in two years, right, or four years, or we never hear from him for months at a time, right? He's just out there. Like, what has he done lately, right? Most people, if I mention certain names on the air, they couldn't tell you one thing to people in Congress for 20, 25 years from this area in Yuba Sutter. They probably couldn't name one thing that they, that they did that was outstanding when they were in Congress. Voter fatigue, and that's another, another problem. Uh, people just don't know. They just don't know what they don't know, and they don't know how to get the information quickly. And it's, they're just not connected. They're trying to keep their kids off drugs. I get calls every week, Lou, who should I vote for? And then people call said, my kid's depressed. I need to get him to a counselor, da, 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 da. And, and the same people have got to vote. And what's going to take the precedence? Getting the kid to a counselor, getting them help because they're not happy with life. Uh, so uh, voter fatigue, they just, you know, they just don't follow through. And, and sometimes political, politically you can create enemies. Now, I made a, a comment, and the, uh, the uh, Yuba County, uh, what do they call Yuba County Republican Central Committee, they said, Lou, we didn't, we didn't say what you said we said. And what I said was that uh, I was talking about fake Republicans, fake conservatives. And, you know, so in, in this part of California, it's good if you're, if you're running for office to uh, run as a conservative because there's a slight there used to be a big edge up here of conservatives now there's a slight edge but if you ran in la for instance you wouldn't want to run as a conservative if you're going to win down there unless there's some other issues playing out so it isn't good up here uh so what what a lot of marketing people or public relations people tell people say they'll say oh you can't win here unless you register as republican so people like francisco Ravellis, who's running for a superintendent of schools in yuba county and done a horrible job uh he's now listed as a republican there's nothing conservative about any of his views of life his votes in life how he spends his money it's all he's all funding liberal causes if you if you're a liberal then he's your guy you should vote for him even if he's even though he's listed as a republican if you're a liberal francisco is your man dan flores is the same thing dan flores makes decisions uh very liberal decisions he's a socialist uh, but he he claims he's a, a republican and then donna hilligas who has been working at the county clerk's office in yuba county she said, well, I, I, I didn't want to, uh, people said she didn't want to uh, state what she was because people think she's biased. I, you know, honestly, it, there was a day in my early years growing up here where all these local racers were nonpartisan. I just don't buy it when people say, well, I'm a, I'm a closet Christian. Uh, I'm a closet patriot. I'm a closet anything. I just said, you know, throw down. I want to know what you're up to. Don't be telling me on the slide. Don't tell anybody. I'm, a, I'm really a conservative but I'm going to list myself as a Democrat, right? So anyway, but so I was talking about in the context of talking about fake conservatives, I brought up that, that the uh, central committee uh, and I, I don't, I don't know the exact words, how I said it, but what I came, the way I came across was that the central committee actually endorsed Francisco Ravellis. And in my mind, what I meant was, whether or not they actually voted on it, which I didn't think they actually voted on it at this point. When you, when you're a central committee and, 
and one of your roles is to endorse candidates that represent your ph- philosophical bent, which in, in the Republican Central Committee for Northern California, they should be very, very conservative. The, the Republican, the Republican uh, organization statewide is not conservative. A lot of Republicans aren't even pro-life. They claim they're Republicans. But in Northern California, you would think you would be pretty conservative. But the problem is, is uh, Francisco Ravellis is the incumbent. Dan Flores is the incumbent. And Donna Hillegas is portraying herself as the incumbent, which she really is not in the, the true sense of the word. Uh, but so they have a, a nine, nine throws out of ten that they're going to win just just by the law of averages, right? Unless you have a Kentucky Derby type candidate that comes from 50 yards, 60 yards behind and wins. Very fluke thing. So when you when the Central Committee of whatever flavor they are, Yuba, Sutter, 58 different counties, Central Committee of Iowa, it doesn't make any difference. If they fail to endorse early enough, basically they ensure that, that the uh, incumbent's going to win every single time. And so by the time th- the last meeting uh, when they were discussing Francisco Ravellis, I, I think I'd already voted. In fact, it's interesting. I will get campaign material telling me in my P.O. box in Marysville, I will get campaign material with a voter slate. A voter slate is just a list of people that got paid to be on this flyer that says they're all conservatives and these are the real conservatives and they tell you they tell you how to vote your whole ballot and it's interesting that they what a waste of time and a waste of money and poor management when i i get that even though i've already figured it out but i get it after i've already actually voted and and i've actually voted so far long ago that the county clerk has texted me emailed me and called me and said we received your ballot lou so my point more was whether or not the Central Committee voted for Francisco Ravellis, which they said we did not vote to endorse Francisco Ravellis, but you essentially are of no effect as a Central Committee when you fail to endorse or you've endorsed so late in the campaign that people have already voted. That's That was my main point. Uh, in fact, I don't care who they really endorse. It's uh, I don't have hurt feelings over anything. I'm going to vote for who I already got it figured out on myself. Uh, and so, but I, you know, I was hoping for bigger and better things from the central committee, but if they can't get out of their own way to endorse early in the campaign, right. Then they're, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like behavioral health over here in, in, uh, uh, Yuba Sutter and in, in Yuba city telling a heroin addict when he calls in and say, man, I'm really sick. I need a place. I, I need to get off the streets. Da, da, da. And they say, well, we really don't, we don't, uh, we can't interview anybody till next Tuesday. Right. And then you have to come in and, and we interview you by the phone. Do you have a phone? Yeah, I know I have a phone, but it's not really plugged in. And, and then after the phone, then, then you've got to come over here. Right. And the guy's got no cars. You, you know, in other words, there's, yeah, they say they're going to help, but there's no, it doesn't work. It's not practical the way they're doing it. So when we're, we're going to endorse people, uh, the benefit of an endorsement is before people really get going in the campaign. 
and before the certainly before the the sample ballots come out and before the absentee ballots come out or the mail-in ballots. So anyway, I think the end effect of it is uh, Francisco Ravellis uh, will uh, is listed as a Republican and will will probably get the nod, even though he's not the conservative in the race. It's his uh, the opponent, uh, Miss Miss Newman. And uh, so it's kind of sad, but that's just the way elections done. It's sloppy. Most elections are very sloppy and messy. People uh, don't uh, candidates many times don't use due diligence. Uh, they misspeak. They, you know, it, it's it's just a, it's a messy proposition. So I want to move on. That's uh, in, incumbency. And that's why. People say, oh, nothing really changes. Our vote doesn't make any difference. Let me tell you why your vote doesn't make any difference. Because you vote, you don't like the, the outcomes. The money is wasted, and you keep sending people back, and you say, well, uh, he's such a nice guy. Well, I knew his dad. Well, they're from a farming community. Well, he's, he's, I like his wife. Um, our kids play soccer with their kids. Honestly, folks, that's getting us into a lot of problems. So I just want to encourage you to uh, do as best you can. And if you don't like the, the outcome of the way California is, we need to make some changes, even in the Republican folks we vote for. I don't vote for Republicans anymore just because they say I'm a Republican. A lot of them are Democrats in Republican suit. Be right back. respect for anybody claiming black lives matter at this point when they don't give a flying flip about black police officers they don't care about black conservatives they care nothing about black people in the hood they don't even raise money for people in the hood they don't care about black men who are out here doing the right thing that need need a hand up that need help out how many businesses have they gave these millions of dollars to how many black businesses have they sustained during the, during the shutdown none how much money went to George Floyd's family that they raised after his death? None. How many went to any of these people? They have done nothing but sit around and bash people as a racist, domestic, terrorist organization. That's how I look at them. If you don't want people to not like you, get your stuff together and start supporting people in this country or shut your freaking mouth. Now here's something you are not going to hear on the mainstream media. What you do hear is warmongers arguing that we must protect Ukraine because it is a quote-unquote democracy. But they're lying. Ukraine isn't actually a democracy. For example, to hold on to power, Ukraine's president shut down the three TV stations that were openly criticizing him and his policies, imprisoned the head of the opposition political party that had come in second place in their elections, and went and arrested and jailed that party's leaders. This is exactly what Putin has been accused of doing. But Ukraine did this all with the support of the United States. Dear Democrat Black America, if you are demanding reparations for slavery, something that you never even personally experienced, but then you eat chocolate with cocoa harvested from child slave labor in Ghana. Yep, 60% of our world's chocolate comes from there. 
and you eat that chocolate without even batting an eye, questioning on where it came from. You don't care about slavery. You just care about a government handout. Many of us didn't see it yet in early 2020. But today, millions of us are now aware of the emerging one world government and their deceitful plans to seize power hidden under the guise of world health. And many of us are now awake to the fact that this so-called New World Order is religiously paganistic, luciferic, and satanic. So it's no surprise that their coronation ball climaxes on May 28th with a devil-horned moon and the Jupiter-Mars conjunction, which is believed to bring success when starting a war. Their big week of megalomania begins on May 22nd in Switzerland with both the World Health Organization's annual World Health Assembly and the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos. In Geneva, the WHO will be voting on a pandemic treaty known officially as the Zero Draft Report of the Working Group on Strengthening WHO Preparedness and Response to Health Emergencies. This pandemic treaty will make them the directing and coordinating authority on international health. The WHO's Zero Draft Plan includes regular simulation exercises, global surveillance, more vaccines, more censorship, contact tracing, and digital vaccine passports. In Davos, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum's annual meeting theme is history at a turning point. Their agenda includes more vaccines, more censorship, and more LGBTQI resilience. The same week in Indonesia, the United Nations Office for Disaster Risk Reduction is holding their annual global platform where they will be planning for regular ongoing pandemic simulations, more global governance, more money to fight climate change, and ultimately accomplishing the United Nations 2030 Agenda, also known as the Great Reset. After the New World Order's narcissistic coronation week ends with the devil-horned moon and the Jupiter-Mars conjunction, Klaus Schwab and his fellow Satanists can celebrate with their friends at CERN. And then what? In March of 2021, the Nuclear Threat Initiative conducted a tabletop exercise simulating a global pandemic involving a monkeypox terrorist attack, something that Bill Gates has told us to expect. The Biden administration has just bought millions of doses of monkeypox vaccines, and mysterious cases are now being reported. The final assault of the New World Order will involve a man-made bioattack, food shortages, FEMA camps, rolling blackouts, and endless riots. Violence may save your life someday, and it might save our freedom, but it's not a solution. If we really wanted to solve this problem, we could all peacefully convene at our local government council and demand either their allegiance to the Constitution or their immediate resignation. Because the New World Order is not going to surrender, and the entire U.S. government is under their control. This coming Memorial Day, remember and honor the ancestors who died for our freedom.
because it may very well be our last. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. It offers the only real prospect of achieving fundamental economic transition. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Okay, well, I was talking to Dr. Cassidy the other night, and uh, we, every week, uh, because we decided about a year, it's been about a year now, I think. We decided to work together because we could not get the government to respond. I, when I say the government, I'm being selective. The sheriff's departments are great. They're packing Narcan. They're, they're handing out flyers for Dr. Cassidy and I to people that need to get into rehabs. And, uh, but the rest of the government that's getting all this drug rehab money, the behavioral health people, uh, are, are a waste of time. They're a black hole of our funds, and they should be given to somebody else who is outcome-oriented on getting people help. So, uh, but anyway, I was talking to Dr. Cassidy, and we were discussing people we knew needed help or someone, someone co- so-and-so called. So I just want to remind you that uh, we, we can get you off the street. We can get you into a rehab. We can get you medication. We can get you Narcan. We can get you uh, the help that you need, counseling, et cetera, uh, we know where the resources are. So uh, reach out to Dr. Cassidy, Joe Cassidy at Peachtree Health, 530-749-3242. I know it's an auto attendant type call. If you Work your way through 749-3242. When you get to some live person, Jay, hey, I, I want an appointment with Dr. Cassidy. They say, oh, he's really busy. How about this other person? Say, no, 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 I need Dr. Cassidy. And then just uh, when they say why, just say I, I have addiction issues. So that should do it. If, if you get jacked around, somebody muffs you, mishandles you, no problem. I'm going to give you Dr. Cassidy's direct cell number. Do not call it. Do not blow it up. Do not text 25 times in a row. Just text once and send it to him, right? And if that doesn't work, then call me up. I'm going to give you his cell number. Do not call him on the phone. Text him, 530-682-8648, 682-8648. I'm almost amazed at people that call me, and if I don't answer the phone, that's because I'm on the other phone or I'm doing a podcast, and they just keep calling. One, two, three. They just blow up my phone, and I just think, you dirty dog. My phone number is 530-713-1838, 713-1838. I don't care what day of the – either Cassidy and I don't care what day of the week, when you want to do it, let's just get it on. Give us a heads up. Get Connect with us. Text us. Call us. Uh, call me. Text me, whatever, or text him, and we will get you hooked up right away. Also, I want to mention the Thrifty Rooter people. They're the same way. Man, when you got problems with your plumbing, you do not want to wait. I mean, you want to get off the streets. You want to get you want to get out of the problem with your house. It's just like getting off the streets when you're you're all strung out. You just think, oh, I need this thing solved. I got too many other issues. And so, if you call Thrifty Rooter, you you can go on their website at thriftyrooter.net in the middle of the night and send them a hot hot link. You can send them a message. 
and check off all the things that you need and put down your address, telephone number, and your name, and, and they will respond. Or you could just dial them up, old school, 530-683-8201. And they're gonna, uh, they have some dispatchers there that will take your uh, situation and get somebody hot on it. And uh, they, they do a lot of cool things. They, uh, they also uh, have the big trucks. I like the big trucks that come in and just like they said, we get, we're going to have to work on this septic system, but we're going to get it cleaned out so you can use it. And in, in the meantime, we're going to pump this thing dry. And uh, they will just get that done and just take it and deposit it somewhere else. Take it off your property. So Thrifty Rooter, 530-673-8201. And uh, they will they will help you for sure. All right. So uh, Thomas Sowell said this. Thomas Sowell is in his 80s, and he is so such a pleasure to listen to. I, I still listen to YouTube clips of Walter Williams, who's dead, Milton Friedman, who's dead, um, Thomas Sowell, who's very much alive and just a wonderful guy. He says this, and I so agree with it. He says, no one will really understand politics. You know, a lot of people, they just are discombobulated by politics because they don't understand the underpinnings of it. So I'm going to read this to you. No one will really understand politics, according to Thomas Sowell, until they understand that politicians are not, N-O-T, trying to solve our problems. Now, I know that's a big bunch for you to swallow, and you think, oh, lose some of them. They are not. Please. You find some rare patriots, but they, most people fall into what Thomas Sowell says. No one will really understand. If you think, oh, he's really a nice guy. He, he, underst- he thinks like I do. He's pro-life. He's, you know a lot of pro-life politicians? They, they come to your pro-life dinners. And then they go and vote for a budget in Sacramento that has millions of dollars to kill babies. They vote for the budget because they got some things in the budget they like. Same thing at the federal level. Pro-lifers vote for the budget to kill babies. That's what I'm talking about. They're not trying to solve our problems. They're not activists. Our patriots were activists. Now we have politicians. The second paragraph, Thomas Sowell says, these politicians or they are trying to solve their own problems. What are the problems of our politicians? Just think about it. What are they? You guess. The politicians' problems are getting elected and getting reelected. That's number one and number two. Getting elected the first time and then from the time, particularly these guys that are guys and gals running every two years, they never stop campaigning. They never stop campaigning, getting elected, getting reelected. And once they're elected, they just can't, they can't see the supervisors existing without their flavor and without their input. Well, you know what they say? Well, I, I have some, why, why are you running for the 14th time? Right? Well, or, or the third time or the fourth time. Well, there's some projects that we've been working on that I just want to see to, to the end. You know what it's really what that translates to? I really want a retirement from the Cuba County Board of Supervisors where they'll pay me until I slobbering my food down my chest. They're still paying me. You still are paying me. They're trying to solve, according to Thomas Sowell, their own problems, which are getting elected and getting reelected. Whatever is number three is way far behind 
What is number three? I don't know, people. I think, you know, so here's the other thing. Did you notice that the, the, the supervisors closed down both of our counties for COVID? Did you think that they, they had the constituents back? They didn't have the constituents back. You know whose back they had? The, their donors. Politicians respond to donations and donors. The rest of the people can go to hell. Do you think that's too harsh? You need to go listen to a different podcast. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you something that's not accurate. That's not the truth. They they take care of where the money's coming from, and the rest of the people can go to hell. They close down their businesses. You didn't see a James Gallagher or any of these supervisors running around, uh, or Jim Nielsen, or any of these politicians running around town fighting to keep these businesses open, fighting against ABC, fighting to keep Randy Mitchell, get consumer affairs off his back. The only, the only two in Yuba County that, that helped Randy at all or had sympathy for Randy is uh, the Sheriff Anderson and uh, District Attorney Curry. But I'm telling you, people, you got to if, if you don't get these basic principles straight that I'm telling you, you will constantly be discombobulated and you'll just take the latest huckster that comes to town pitching his snake oil. You will buy it. And then you'll think, oh, yeah. And just like my people that used to live next door to me, I said, hey, you guys have registered to vote. Oh, it doesn't do any good. What's waste of time? I'm not going to bother. Right. They just they just call it as it is. Why? Because they're getting they're it's like they're street smart. They're trying to get, they're tired of getting screwed. The stick up the butt gets painful after a while. It's just like disappointing. It gets painful. And people uh, to your face, it's like the old thing. It's like, don't tell me it's sprinkling when you're pissing on my boots. That's what they do. They piss on your boots and they, they get huge amounts of money for doing very little. That's what it's all about. This gal, she calls herself the Texas runner. She says, and now for my next trick, I will give you $600 checks. I will give everybody $600 checks. And then next year I will ca- ca- crash your 401k plan. And you will pay $2,000 more in property taxes because of G- Gallagher's promoting Prop 19. That's what he got us, Mr. Republican. Prop 19 sold us down the river on prop 19 undermined prop 13. Then if I want to give uh, some of my assets to my children or grandchildren, I'm going to get screwed because of Mr. Gallagher, Mr. Conservative, which he's not, you know, it's a, here's a problem that many have. You think, well, he, he, he claims to be a Republican. He's a part of the Republican central committee. He's a part of the Republican group in California. What you need to look at is the behavior, the actions of a person. And is he a fighter for conservative causes? You know what? People use these euphemisms. They use military euphemisms. We're going to battle. They're not going to battle. They're going to go have a cup of coffee, a couple of highballs, and they're going to go argue on the Senate floor, and then they're going to go out to, and have, have filet mignon with the guy they just argued with and, and said bad things about. And they're going to laugh and yuck it up. That's just exactly what's going on down there. Get a clue. So we get screwed out of our property taxes. And he said, I'm going to go down and fight for you. Fight 
What kind of fight are you talking about? You're going to sock somebody? You're going to run over somebody? You're going to, you're going to throw a firebomb? You're going to, like, stir it up? You're going to stand up like Janet Nguyen did and get hauled out because she stood up against the communists on the floor of the Senate? You're going to st- Is that a fight? Because she stood up and spoke against communists? Oh, well, we don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. Fight. What's that mean? Oh, I, we're fighting a fight. Come in and eat rubber duck, rubber turkey, rubber chicken at some luncheon up here in Yuba Center. Oh, yeah, I'm fighting a fight down there in Sacramento. Really? Oh, back in, oh it's terrible back in Washington. Oh, they're back there getting tanked. Come on, smoking weed, sn- sucking the cocaine up their nose, knocking up people, feeling up people. Come on, people. Get real. We need to flush out these folks and get them out, right? Somebody said, oh, I can't believe you're not voting for him. I said, uh, it has loose picks on the top. It's, when I want to pick your picks, I'll put your name on the top. That's my picks, and I have reasons for every one of them. I'm not going to try to tell you how to uh, vote. I'm not going to bend your arm. I'm not going to argue with you. Don't even bother calling me. Don't bother calling me about voting. Vote to, uh, Go vote ignorant. Go buy the garbage. Have them shove manure over your face. And how they're going to take care of you. And they're fighting a fight. Oh, they're fighting a fight. And then they're screwing you in the backside. And now for the next trick, I will give you $600 checks. And then next year, I'm going to crash your 401k. And you will pay $2,000 more in property taxes or rent. $800 more for gas. And $3,000 more for groceries. How you feeling out there, America? That's just what's going on. You remember getting those checks? Oh, yeah. Did you get your stimulus checks? How stupid are you? Come on. Oh, did you get your stimulus check? Did you, you know, they sent $15 million, 15 million, 15 billion. I think it's maybe, hold on, hold on. Let me check. Let me check. Can't find my paperwork now. Oh, here it is. The federal government. This is for COVID. Remember people are dying. Oh, people are dying in the hospital, man. They were like dying. Grandma died. She was 150 and COVID killed her, man. Can't believe it. You were like down on Dr. Lou. Dr. Lou went on, went on the, uh, went on YouTube and said how sorry she was because my grandma died. She was like 150. And uh, California got $15.1 billion for COVID money, right? Went to education. What's COVID money going to education for? Our kids never had it worse in those two years. You know what the money went for? Didn't go to kids to get private education or get some super duper online training it increased training resources in the following subject anti-bias strategies environmental literacy the green world right ethnic studies uh how to be a homosexual uh or any of the other sexuals cultural competency learning how white people are all racist right all that money went to that 15.1 billion why because they created a COVID crisis out of nothing. It was just a PR uh, ramajama, just like they did on Major K right here. Crystal Martin did for the Yuba County Board of Supervisors. Lied to us, jerked us around, tripped us out, manipulated the, the vote, manipulated the ordinance, lied about the ordinance. Listen, people, if you're not willing to identify the problem, you're never going to solve it. That's what this is all about. They gave away billions. And you think, oh, oh, did you wonder 
how we got inflation, how we have all these high grocery costs. Remember, remember all that money you got, that $600, that $600, and did you get $1,200 at one time? I don't know. I don't think even I got that money. But do you feel good about that? They just sucked that back from you. Boom, they just took that back from you and then socked you with a bunch of other expenses. That, right? This is a bit of good news. I'm, uh, this is from, uh, I think this is from Chris Ann Hall. On May 20, 2022, a board of three Navy officers found that Lieutenant Bill Mosley did not commit misconduct by refusing the COVID-19 jab and found unanimously that the order for military members to receive the experimental COVID-19 jab was not a lawful order. You know, in the military, you're supposed to obey every order as long as it's lawful. Lawful orders are off the, off the, the table. In particular, the military has not made uh, the FDA-approved version of the vaccine available to military members. Therefore, the, the vaccine mandate is an unlawful order. Isn't that good? Have you heard about monkeypox? Some people say you need to remove the K, and it's called moneypox. Did you know that, in fact, I'm going to talk more about this after we come back, but money pox, this guy said, it's money pox season already, and he said, I, haven't, I can't believe I still have my Ukraine decorations up. Is that, this guy's, you know, some people are just so smart. They're just so witty. I love uh, social media because uh, I would have never met this person, and he's just got such a, or she's got such a witty type of sarcasm is what he's got, sarcasm. And he said, it's moneypox season already, and I can't believe I still have my Ukraine decorations up. Listen, people, if it's not one thing, it's something else, right? What happened to BLM? Where, where's Antifa? How come we're not letting all them windows get broken out? Man, we need to... We, <laughs> if we could figure out how to do something with all this uh, fentanyl and turn it back on these Chinese and and Mexi cans down near the cartel, we, we would pull, we'd pull the winner of a decade. So uh, anyway, we're coming up to the end of our fourth segment here. we got a couple minutes. Let me jump down here and see if I can start something to make sense out of it. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Talked about incumbents. Uh, okay. I want, you know, somebody said to me, I, I, I have... Just because somebody doesn't like what I do, I don't get mad at them. Uh, in fact, some of them I like. But uh, anyway, I uh, I was doing talking about COVID. You know, I've been doing this COVID thing for a couple of years now, right? And one of my friends that listened, used to listen, uh, said, when are you going to get off the COVID kick? <laughs> I get tired of listening to COVID all the time. Well, you know, I'm just talking about the things that are going to take us down. Right. And I'm not trying to uh, I don't get stuck on if you notice, I don't repeat things a lot. I don't talk about the same thing, the same uh, thing for two hours, the same issue. Uh, I move from topic to topic because I think people are interested in variety. I used to speak to juvenile delinquents. And so you got to keep it fresh. And so but the covid thing isn't just about covid. The covid thing is about taking your freedom and and that is a big topic uh there's been a fight for freedom uh since the 1600s here 
before the Declaration of Independence, before the Bill of Rights, before the Constitution, there's been a, a, a fight for survival here and a fight for what that should look like. You remember the first pilgrims, which our history teachers did not teach us, were socialists. And they were told to be socialists by the companies that funded them. They loaned them the money to come here and to expand the economy here and look like they were going to have another marketplace for businesses in England. So they funded them and they needed to pay them back. So in order to pay them back, they thought, well, let's all work together. Let's all pool our money and let's all do this and that and the other thing. And they realized very short term in a very short fashion that uh, uh, socialism will kill you, which it did. It killed a lot of them, killed maybe half of them the first winter, I think. And it didn't work. So they had to return to some other type of economy. So anyway, uh, we're talking about patriotism. I'm going to talk to you about a guy that's been an amazing guy, Dr. Ryan Cole, when I come back. Okay? Just a second. Every time you go away, you take a piece of me. We're getting a lot done. And I promise you, I said Dr. Fettuccini was gonna, Dr. Dan, Bob, Bob, pardon me, Dr. Dan Fauci, Dr. Anthony Scalia, he's gonna get 100 million vaccinations in arms. No joke, no joke. And we did that. And I'm serious. And that's what we've done. And I'm proud of the work we've done. I'm proud. My father, my mother from Scranton, they always told me, they said, if there's a bird on a fence and you got a rock, you kill two of the birds. Excuse me. You, b -b -b you kill the, you, you, there's two stones. <laughs> yeah, they keep electing Obama and promoting me despite the fact I have no qualifications for the job. Lesson, it's a racist country. Now there's a word for this kind of a clever term. It's called cry bullying, right? Stop hitting me, they say, as they punch you in the face. Why do they do it? Well, they do it because it works. You whine about racism, and you get into the best schools, you get promoted, and eventually you run the federal government. And your presence atop the food chain is nothing if not evidence that the country is still racist. It has to be, or you can't justify your job. Kind of an amazing scam people like Corrine Jean-Pierre have going. She's perfected it. She used to work for MSNBC. She knows the script cold. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. An extreme pro-abortion organization that publicized the home addresses of Supreme Court justices calls themselves Ruth Sentas in reference to the former pro-abortion Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Their name is misplaced, though, because Ginsburg was an open critic of Roe v. Wade. She supported Roe but called it heavy-handed judicial intervention that was difficult to justify and appears to have provoked, not resolved conflict. Ginsburg also said, Roe isn't really about a woman's right to choice, is it? It's about the doctor's freedom to practice. It wasn't woman-centered, it was physician-centered. 
Maybe this new pro-abortion group should call themselves the New York Times sent us or Planned Parenthood sent us. That would be a far more realistic representation of the cause. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Here's the line that you should never forget, and we're quoting. This maggot crowd, which is, say, the tens of millions of people who voted for Donald Trump, is really, we're quoting, the most extreme political organization that has existed in history. In history, all human history, which is to say, worse than Hitler, worse than Stalin, worse than Mao. It's hard to believe he's talking about tens of millions of American citizens, but he is. And you should know that no American president ever has talked about his own people like this or even considered talking about his own people like this. It is shocking that any president would, and he just did. Well, folks, they have found their next infectious disease, monkeypox. Let's make some connections. You know how with COVID, the flu suddenly disappeared? When in reality, COVID tests were picking up the flu and saying that it was COVID, they're going to do the same with monkeypox and shingles. There are 1 million shingle cases per year, and this number is growing. Shingle cases have actually been on the rise this last 20 years. On top of it, there has been connections between the COVID-19 vaccine and shingles after getting it. And check this out. The same picture was used for a What is Shingles article for a monkeypox article. They used the same picture. No doubt there will be some genuine cases of monkeypox, as there probably always has been. But they will add to that number with shingles, just like how they did with COVID and the flu. This is becoming the pandemic of the brainwashed. Well, late last night, I got a bug. I was wanting to talk to Monty Hecker, so I dialed him up and got him out of bed. I thought, darn. Some people, I, it wasn't very late, but it was late for him because he's an early riser and I'm not. And uh, so I usually work late. I feel good at night, so I work late. But I called Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security because I had some security questions because I had just found out that uh, Aaron Easton, who used to be police chief here, in Marysville, he used to be a cop here in general, but then he worked his way into being a chief of police. Uh, and his wife died, and uh, by suspicious circumstances, a lot of law enforcement people think Aaron shot her. Um, some people say, well, it was made to look like she shot herself, Sarah Matthews Easton. But anyway, uh, she died in August of 2015, and then right away, uh, Aaron took up with another lady by the name of, uh, uh, oh, I can't even remember her name now. Uh, I'll have to look it up here. I'll just scroll down here because Chanel Easton. It's now Chanel Easton. It used to be Chanel Bright, then it was Chanel Cheney, and now it's Chanel Easton. And he, he got together with Chanel Easton and, uh, they eventually married, and they moved back to Oklahoma to start a new life after things didn't go well for Aaron here. And uh, so, anyhow, if if you want to read a, a, I don't know where my article. I just submitted an article as a territorial dispatch. It probably won't show up very soon. But if you want to, uh, 
You could go to the easiest place to see it probably in a couple of days will be at nohostagesradio.com and just it'll be posted there, the, the article. And it's about uh, Aaron Easton's wife. The trouble in the beginning was Aaron Easton was always in trouble of uh, sexually assaulting ladies and then, and then the possibility of shooting his wife. And uh, But now uh, Chanel has been arrested by the Federal Bureau of Investigation back in Oklahoma because she worked for St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. And uh, she, according to the FBI investigation, maybe took up towards $400,000, $360,000 or something like that at least out of their coffers and used it for herself as the secretary over there. So she worked there for about five years. But the reason I had heard about it, that they arrested her. And uh, so I thought I was going to talk to Monty about it because I wanted to talk to him about embezzlement. But I woke him up. So Monty, Monty is, uh, and we were talking about how he's had that problem himself. He's faced people trying to business partners and it's just everywhere, isn't it? It's just like, and we were commiserating about the fact that it seems to be the, the, the big, not just majority majority is 50% plus one. The big bunch of people taking money through embezzlement seem to be women. And I've been follow, I've been tracking this for years. Uh, and just reading articles about, oh, somebody got embezzled, somebody got embezzled. And from business, from government, even from the sheriff's department, from doctors, contractors, auto parts stores, uh, all kinds of janitorial, people lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, nonprofits. And here, and, and it's very common in churches that they would have embezzlement. And so I was talking to, so I wanted to talk to somebody that knew something about it. So I ended up talking to Monty and we were discussing it, but I wanted to, Monty is a real help to this show to stay on the uh, internet and also to stay on the air with KMYC. So uh, there's never been a time since I've been alive that we didn't need, you know, back in the days when I was a kid, we had the police and the sheriff's department. But I don't remember any security services so much back in the 60s, the 50s. But now there's all kinds of security services. And Monty uh, has run Elite Universal Security for many years once he got out of the Air Force and had some really uh, unhappy experiences in business with partners that ripping him off. And uh, and that's happened to all of us. I, I've, uh, you know, in the businesses I've run, my own private, uh, uh, what I call sole proprietorship, been ripped off by clients and and uh it, it happens right there's unscrupulous people and you don't know it until you know it so we were talking about it last night but elite universal security does a great job of trying to keep your stuff your stuff and to keep people from vandalizing or damaging your property man there's some things that you don't they don't steal something they just damage your property isn't that amazing you know, the Founding Fathers said if we can't get a handle on people's behavior, we're going to lose this We're going to lose this country. I don't care how people vote. I don't care whether you like the guy. You think your assemblyman is good looking and you think he's hot compared to your husband. Uh, it, unless we get 
the behavior of people where they where they manage their own behavior and they are nice people and they have rules in their life that they that they follow. They call them the commandments, right? In the meantime, we got people like Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security to try to patrol your house, patrol your business, patrol your farm, your ranch, your government buildings. And they do it. They do a good job. And so you can reach them at 530-749-0280. Because I'm speaking here from Yuba County doesn't mean they're just here. They're all over the North State, they tell me. And so they said, Lou, if people hear us, we may have a job up there in Butte County or Shasta County or Tehama County or Glen County or Calusa County. So call them and see if they could use your services. Even if you want to work part-time, man, I'm telling you, a lot of retired people, that are retired now with all this craziness with the Biden inflation, maybe time to go back and earn 10 or 20 hours a week, right? Pick up a few extra bucks. So uh, check it out. Or, or if you, uh, if you need a job done, you need some protection, you need somebody to brainstorm with. I've just brainstormed with Monty many times when I'm trying to figure out how to solve something, people dumping garbage or dumping all their refuse or their concrete, just like people are just, they have no morals. We're living in an amoral society. That means or immoral or amoral. It just it's it's very sad. And and you know, uh, let me just say this. If you read a little bit, and I'm a novice at reading history. If you read a little bit about the founding fathers, when there was a whole number of years when they were talking about overthrowing or separating from England. And they came to this conclusion, the Founding Fathers. We think it's the right thing to do, to separate. We think we have a just cause. But we don't think that the people themselves are able to govern themselves because their behavior is so bizarre. That's early America. They were drunks. They were violent. They, were, they would actually not knock somebody out like, like a cage fight. They would poke their eye totally out of their head. They would remove their eye. There was some gnarly fights, duels, just stand right out and just fire off at each other. And they felt unless we can get these people character-wise to a place where they can manage and be honest and be civil towards one another, we don't think we can pull this republic thing off because they're always going to come ripping everybody off. They're going to do everything for their own personal gain and rip everybody off. And it took a, a spiritual revival uh, during those times. With, I think it was George Whitfield that led the revival that brought people to their knees and they had a come to Jesus moment in, in the United States. And it tuned up. The, it's not that everybody straightened up. It just started making adjustments in people's lives where they thought, we think we could probably do this now. And they did. But right now, we, we're in deep trouble. We got politicians who think they, they, opened the, they got the key to the candy store, and they got a big old sweet tooth. And they're just dipping in, and they're getting all they can get before it all falls down around their ears. And they, if you if you were surprised that the supervisors and the assemblymen and stuff did not come to your defense during COVID, I was not surprised at all. I was not surprised. This is who these people are. They're not good people. 
They're not def- they take the constitutional oath. How many people you know that took the marriage oath and didn't keep their oath? Same thing. Same, same. Except these guys isn't even as serious as taking a marriage oath because they don't have anybody, you know, instead of if you're the husband and you're making an oath to your wife, at least you have your wife to hold you accountable. If the electorate does not hold the person taking the oath to, to account, we got nothing going on in this country. Everybody is going to rip everybody off until there's nothing left. There's theft. They're playing a game of Monopoly, and there's all kinds of stealing and scamming going on. That's what's going on. And you think, oh, it's not happened here. It's happening in the city and in the county and in the state. And the only difference between on the way up to the feds is the number of zeros being stolen from you and me. Come on, people. Come on, come on, come on. So Elite Universal Security, 5548 Federal Boulevard, they will help you get a license to be a guard. They'll help you keep your stuff, your stuff. They'll help you with concealed weapons permits, all that stuff. Also, uh, Dave Greenitz, he's got a great operation going. I don't know how long he's going to keep going on. He could retire, but I think he likes to work, and his wife's very active. They're healthy, and he likes what he does. He's at the top of his career. He's got a lot of great uh, people working for him. So if you want a kitchen and bath to look just marvelous, as Billy Crystal used to say, marvelous, uh, Dave can help you. But don't take my word for it, marvelous. Go see what that looks like at greenitzconstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z, greenitzconstruction.com, or Dave Greenitz Construction on the Facebook. And you can check it out. You can then text him or send a message from those platforms, or you could dial him up, 530 682 nine six zero two five three zero six eight two nine six zero two you can text him on that line as well and finally uh the last guy but one of my favorite guys is ted holmes with the plumbing doctor he also has a construction company but i think he's going to be tied up rebuild or uh, remodeling a school private school charter school this summer but he does remodel work um all kinds of commercial and remodel he's also got a flooring removal business lift off flooring but uh, plumbing doctor is 530-671-9111 and they are good folks and they get it done they get there and get it done they give you a price on what they're going to do and hold to it so 530-671-9111 just dial them up they just like a lot of these places they got folks waiting their job is to wait for your call So the important thing is to dial them on up. All right. So uh, let me get down here, and uh, I want to talk about Ryan Cole because I heard him early on in COVID, and I I saw this guy speaking. I don't know whether he was speaking for a, a board of supervisors meeting, but this guy was so clear brilliant and 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 he's dr ryan cole and uh he says a pathologist is the quality control of medicine that's what he is dr ryan cole and he was talking to brian hooker on an interview and brian hooker is a phd and uh cole is the founder and chief medical officer of a lab and laboratory director of and i think cole diagnostics is the largest lab of its type in the country 
It's an independent medical laboratory in Garden City, Idaho. And this guy is one clear speaking. I've seen him speak before Senate subcommittees, special hearings, in in uh, town hall meetings. So he joined Hooker, uh, Dr. Hooker, Brian Hooker, to discuss the pathology of COVID-19, changes in pathological patterns he saw during the rollout of the COVID-19 jab. And, uh, and so he's telling you when, you, when they send in the samples from your pap smears and other kind of pathological biopsies, this is what he saw after the shots started being dealt. In other words, the shot changed people. He was also overseeing a, a blood work, analyzing data patterns, consulting with doctors and clinicians about tumors, infections. Uh, he was dealing with smears, uh, pap smears and samples while overseeing microbiology and molecular biology labs. So he says it was apparent to me that the beginning of COVID-19 panic uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. The illness ba- basically rocked the, the world of the elderly and uh, society overreacted despite early signals, but it was all political. So let's skip all that. And so uh, Cole said before the vaccine, he saw plenty of sick patients in his lab. He, he handled uh, more than 150,000 COVID specimens himself in his lab his his crew however he said when the COVID-19 shot rolled out in December 2020 he started to see an unusual change in patterns under the microscope now we're talking people not politics we're talking about science here real science Fauci hasn't been in a lab for years you think he has but he's just really just shooting his mouth off his lab is talking so he started uh noticing he's he's looking at lab samples of adults and he starts noticing childhood viruses appearing in adult pathological cultures that's a bad sign cole attributed this to immunosuppression as a result of the spike protein in the covid-19 jab in other words the immune system of people that had that had now suppressed childhood bugs was now the system was broken and the bugs were coming back Several months after the rollout of the vaccine, Cole became extremely concerned about a surge in endometrial cancer. That's female cancer, right? And that type of cancer killed a friend of mine in, in uh, Cambodia, young female woman, very young, uh, childbearing age, but young, a young mother, and she took the shot. She just thought she had to take the shot. She took the shot and immediately got endometrial cancer and died. Boom, quick. So he saw, he saw a, a surge of endometrial cancer and other cancers, noting the patterns were congruent to the rollout of the shot. In other words, they were right along with it. They burst. As soon as the shot steam got ahead of steam, the cancers got ahead of steam. He told Hooker the smoking gun came when he had testified in a Senate committee uh, uh, before Senator Ron Johnson at, at a meeting. He said a whistleblower came forward with the epidemiology database of the u.s department of defense that was thomas rents the attorney and lee dundas the attorney they showed up and and showed an uptick in various cancers this is department of defense and now they've gone in and changed all the statistics they're lying now and they're being fraudulent about the statistic the dod but the statistics they brought before the before the congress uh or before the senate 
showed a huge uptick in cancers. Cole said the DOD then froze the epidemiology database and altered four to five years of the data. In other words, they, they massaged the data. He said this is Watergate-esque. In other words, it's a scam. It's a, uh, it's a lie. It's corruptions. They changed data, and I won't, I won't spend a lot of time. But he said Cole and Hooker discussed how immunosuppression is induced by the COVID jab. When you take the jab, it's going to break your immune system. Uh, so he said he explained uh, is a gene, the COVID jab is a gene product rather than a true vaccine. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration should be re- review the jab as a gene-based therapy. Adverse effects from the shot could have been ante- anticipated in any way t- with animal studies. He goes and talks about that. So he says, what about these fibrous blood clots? You've seen pictures on the Internet of these masses of just gobbly red goop in your system, right? These are not typical blood clots, he said. Cole said that the clotting patterns also could have been anticipated in proper animal studies. Okay, so he talks about that. I don't have time to go. He talks about spike protein shedding. This, you can infect your partner, even though you just got the shot. When Hooker and and Cole discussed the FDA's approval of remdesivir for emergency use in babies as young as one month, Hooker stated remdesivir is a huge problem. It is all downside, no upside. Cole added that in animal trials, up to one-third of animals experience kidney failure after being injected with remdesivir. Now, when remdesivir was used on humans, what they did was they were saying that COVID was causing people's kidneys to fail. That's not true. The drug itself caused people's kidneys to crash. So it says, even though the World Health Organization criticized the use of remdesivir in 2020 due to its toxic effects and no viral benefit, hospitals received a 20% bonus on the hospitalization if they would treat a patient with the drug, he said. There's a huge financial incentive to administer remdesivir, Cole said, despite the existence of many other safe therapeutics. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back for our final session. Be right back. As you brush your shoes, you stand before your mirror, and you comb your hair, grab your coat and hat, and you walk the streets, trying to remember, yeah, all those wild nights breeze through your mind. Conventional wisdom has long held that as goes California, so goes the nation. Once, this was a glowing compliment. Now, it's a cautionary tale. If America goes California, it's in big trouble. This is a strange thing to say because California is as close to paradise as you can get to on this earth. Its moderate, temperate climate is almost unrivaled. It's home to two of the world's best natural harbors. If outdoor recreation is your thing, you can ski or surf, scuba dive or sail, hike in the redwoods or climb Half Dome, all within a couple hours drive. Just about the only thing wrong with California, from a natural point of view, are the earthquakes. But those are infrequent and their bad effects can be mitigated by sound building practices. The other disasters you hear about in the news, droughts and fires mostly, are natural to be sure, but also manageable by human ingenuity. Irrigation, water storage, forest management and the like, all of which activists have not merely been neglecting, but actively opposing. And there you have, in a nutshell, the triumph and tragedy of California. 
the greatest spot on Earth for human habitation, a veritable Garden of Eden, is in danger of becoming a garbage dump, thanks to Californians. The decline did not happen overnight. For a century or more, those who settled there, not just from other parts of America, but from all over the world, built the state into an economic, cultural, and technological powerhouse and middle-class paradise. But for the last generation, they've been busily screwing it up. Given the state's enormous natural advantages, combined with the layers of sophisticated infrastructure and institutions built up over six generations, this was no easy task. But Californians, being a resourceful people, have managed. The richest state in the Union now has the most poverty. The former middle-class paradise now suffers from stratospheric housing costs and overall cost of living. The place where car culture was invented has the country's highest gas prices by a lot. Crime is out of control. Huge sections of San Francisco and Los Angeles are virtual no-go zones. Open-air drug markets abound. Authorities do nothing. Or, if the police do make arrests, the prosecutors simply let everyone go. Stores are closing all over, citing rampant theft. The culture is suffocating. Carry the wrong type of shopping bag, drink through the wrong kind of straw, or call someone the wrong pronoun and expect to be ostracized or worse. The public schools, lavishly funded, are abysmal. And of course, the taxes, especially sales and income, are among the highest in the nation. California has come a long way, and not a good way, from the paradise the Beach Boys sang about in the 1960s or even the Baywatch image of the 1990s. How did it happen? Bad policy, some of it active, some passive, all of it deliberate. The active includes draconian zoning, one-sided labor laws, and environmental regulations that make it extremely difficult to build new homes or new businesses. The passive includes, above all, ignoring immigration laws. California is a sanctuary state. The passive and active often combine. California politicians and businesses have actually encouraged illegal immigration for a generation. Politicians for the votes, businesses to keep wages down. If it weren't for the weather, the only thing politicians can't screw up, the state today would have little to recommend it. What is to be done? It's tempting to do nothing. Just let it go. If this is what those left coast loonies want, let them have it. And yet, California is still a part of America, part of our country and our civilization. It was a huge asset to the nation and could be again if, and it's a big if, sane leadership were once again to take charge. What would that require? Simple. California voters would need to vote out the frauds and posers who are currently running their lives and ruining their state. To do that, they'd need to rethink some of their most cherished opinions. Simple, but not easy. There are signs of change, though. In early 2022, voters in ultra-left San Francisco recalled, by overwhelming margins, three ultra-left members of their school board. Let them go DAs in the North and South have faced serious recall attempts, some with establishment and Hollywood money behind them. These are positive signs. It will take a lot more. But change could happen. And if it does, then California could be the golden state once again, a model for the nation. I was born, raised, and educated there. If I lived there now, I might be cautiously optimistic. But I'd also be browsing real estate ads in Texas, Florida, and Tennessee.
I'm Michael Anton, lecturer in politics at Hillsdale College's Washington, D.C. campus and author of The Stakes, America at the Point of No Return for Prager University. Over the last year, liberals have been hell-bent to take any person of color off of all branding in every store in the United States, saying that it's, it's racist, that their faces are being used to sell a product, and that makes it racist, or that it was from the past, that makes it racist. Yet, they've left every white face alone. They haven't gone after one product that has a white face on it and called it racist as well. So now we have stores with no people of color represented on any branding, but all the white people are still there. Liberals are no different than they've ever been. Their tactics may have been different, but they don't want people of color anywhere they go, even on the packaging of the products they buy. Alrighty, this is the final run around the track here for us. So I'm talking about Ryan Cole, who's got a big, uh, huge diagnostics lab over in Garden City, U- Idaho. Garden City, Idaho. So uh, there is a huge financial incentive to administer remdesivir, Cole said. Isn't that sad? Fauci told every hospital they had to use it in remdesivir, and he just didn't say we had to use it, but he said, I'm going to give you some money if you do use it. And and they already knew in Africa fighting Ebola and other other problems that remdesivir killed 50% of the clients. That's a bad sign, folks. What are these people doing? I don't know what all their motives are. I don't know whether they're trying to kill off the $7 billion out of the $7.5 that Klaus Schwab wants or whether they're just power-hungry or they're or they're getting a lot of money kickbacks from Rendisavir or what? Hooker and Cole recommend, commended colleagues such as Peter McCullough and Paul Merrick, both doctors, who saved lives and countless patients by using therapeutics during the first months of COVID. Uh, okay, so I'm telling you, uh, they, you think, wow, man, the jab would cause cancer? The jab would call, cause heart attacks? The jab would call cause blood clots why would they do that the jab would cause shingles did have you heard about your friends getting shingles after the shot it's 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 stirred up it's it compromised it it irritated your immune system and you broke out in shingles now money pox monkey pox is also going to break you out in shingles and and it's all it's all a scam uh, let's see. I think we're, since we're in our last deal, I'm going to have to talk about this now. I'm going to just go up here and get into this money pox thing. If I can find it, let me just sec money pox. Okay. I think I can find it in 30 seconds. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Oh no, that's, that's not the right one I want. Here it is. So, you know, have you read about AIDS, where that came from? There's all kinds of ridiculous theories. You know the theory about the COVID came from uh, sick bats in a wet market? I'm telling you, people will believe anything. So they, back in the day, they said AIDS came from these uh, 
people uh, in uh, Africa, you know, they're always doing racist stuff. They're always pulling these racist things, right? People in Africa having sex with baboons and stuff, right? And so the baboons were sick with HIV, and then they just passed it right on to the human group, right? That's what you can look it up. I, I'm not making it up. Look it up. You can find that that argument. I'm I'm not saying it's a right argument. I'm saying they were shoving all kinds of baloney. Remember, in, in fact, there Fauci's there's uh, recordings of Fauci saying that you can transfer AIDS just by drinking from the same drinking fountain. You can transfer AIDS by just hanging out with your kids. I mean, Fauci was clueless and and just and actually killed hundreds of thousands of people through his nonsense, same way he did with COVID. So does it surprise you that a year or so ago there was a big meeting and it was funded it was these groups, the Nuclear Threat Initiative and the Munich Security Conference, the World Economic Forum, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. You, you know what they were up to? They were conducting a laboratory experiment. They call it a tabletop exercise. I've, been, I've, I've seen those even around here, tabletop exercises. In other words, a discussion of... Well, if this happens, we need to be prepared for it. What do you think we need? What are the contingencies we need to be prepared for? So before COVID, a few years before COVID, they had one of these at Johns Hopkins University, and they discussed the whole COVID thing, and they actually planned, predicted, and uh, prophesied that they were going to have this pandemic. In fact, uh, they said it right over the media. It, it was said repeatedly. It wasn't like, oh, they snuck it out or they sent it out in hydro. hydro uh, hieroglyphics they they it was just as plain as you could be they said we're going to have a pandemic and it's going to cause this that and the other thing and and it's going to be a big deal and they did it god bless them or god curse them whichever way you want to see it they are misleading people they are evil people folks we're dealing with some evil people and the only way you can deal with it is not shoot them yet it's to it's to do nonviolent resistance and just do noncompliance since we live in the U.S. of A. So just uh, in May, let's see, it says. In March of 2021, just a couple of months ago, there was a tabletop simulation of a hypothetical deadly outbreak of monkeypox, not chickenpox, not smallpox, not syphilis. Not covid not the Asian flu, not the swine flu, but monkeypox. They talked about it, and now we have it. Now there's there. It's just like they let the birds out of the cages, and now they're just they're flying all over. And now they're distributing monkeypox around the world. Did you know that? They predicted it that it would incur occur. Oh yeah, wait a minute. It's May. And here it is. They predicted back then that it was going to happen in May. These people are so smart. They're so smart. So some analysts suggested that the outbreak may have resulted from a gain-of-function research or similar experience involved evolving the virus, while others floated the theory. Does this sound familiar with COVID? They floated the theory that malign actors, perhaps related to the conflicts in Ukraine, intentionally released the virus. Meanwhile, politicians and public health officials are delivering un, 
uh, uh, delivering mixed and confusing messages. Are you getting used to mixed and confusing messages in America? Liars, constant lying, just like lying, 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 lying. It's like so tired of it. What's the what's the way out? Ignoring them and be free. Be free. Live free. Do not comply with masks, dots on the ground, X's on the ground. Crank up a new life. If you can't go to the store, go somewhere else to get your food. If you can't go to the school, go get your education somewhere else. If you can't go to your medical doctor, go get your medicines from somewhere else. There's going to be alternatives. You're going to have to look for them. Listen, people, it's a new world. You're, this isn't the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. It's not the early 2000s. Get real. This is what we're dealing with. Just pretend it's a world war. I was thinking the other day, what was it like for my dad and my grandmother and my, my dad's brothers, the ones that went to war, the ones that didn't? What was it like for them to get up and go to work every day, listen to war, war stories coming home and people's bodies coming home and being short of, short of this, short of that, and having victory gardens? They just had to get with it. They, had to res- they didn't know when the war was going to end. They had to resign themselves to the fact that this was life, and let's make the best of it. We got to just deal with it, folks. We need to discuss food sovereignty, medical sovereignty. We need to discuss educational sovereignty. We need to do it ourselves and not depend on the government. The, the years of leaning on the government, even though they're taking all our money, are over, people. They're not coming back. Please, don't deceive yourselves, right? It's one thing to be deceived by the government. Don't deceive yourself. The World Health Organization said it has considered monkeypox a priority pathogen for several years now. Listen, people, we've been getting sick and well since the beginning of time. We've been getting sick and well, sick and well, sick and well, sick and well. And then one time you get sick and you go to go to the eternity, whatever you believe about that. You don't get to choose. You can be you can fake yourself out, but at least you have a concept, right? There's people that are planning on how to shut this thing down. They're talking about 21 day, 21 day quarantine people. They're jacking everything up. They're ramping it up. We're not, we're going to shut down schools. You're going to go back to masks. They're going to do all this crazy stuff. You're going to have to wash your hands. Oh, baby. Honestly, people, everything that's anti-health, they're going to do. Monkeypox. It's bizarre. It's just totally bizarre. Are some people going to get sick by it? Yeah, they're spreading it, people. This is intentional. You think, oh, it was just an accident. Oh, they, 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 a bat, a sick, poor sick bat. He didn't mean to get sick and give somebody. I remember when I was, I was actually taking a team to smuggle Bibles into Hong Kong when SARS started in Hong Kong and Beijing. And I didn't even care about it they tried to get me to wear a mask over there all these asians were wearing masks nobody was on the street they were so afraid over there they were deathly afraid in hong kong and china people were not riding they were they they were not i thought this is great man nobody's riding the subways the buses this is easy this is like usually there's millions of people in your face all the time it was easy to go in the food was cheap 
da 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 I didn't pay attention to SARS thing. You know what they told us that SARS came from? And a sick cat, civet cat, C-I-V-E-T, civet cat. I saw them. I see how they, I've seen civet cats in restaurants, live ones. They kill them and serve them. And uh, they said it was a sick civet cat. The, they don't, there's no originality in these perverts that are running all this scam on us. It's a sick civet cat. Then it's a, it's a diseased bat. And now it's going to be a monkey. It's coming from a monkey, right? Then it's coming from the birds, right? People, they're creating these things. These are weird people. These are monster people. These are Frankenstein-type scientists that are doing this. And, and people that have too much money, they have too much power, and they have too much uh, affluence, influence and affluence, that they don't know what to do with their time, so they want to toy with the small people. That's the rest of us. They want to toy with us, play with us, right, and play around and kill a few mil- million or, or play games control everybody's life, jerk the food. All of a sudden, the formula disappears. Something else disappears. Gavin, it, look, I mean, you should know in California, the you know, we have a socialist government. There's shortages of everything. What'd you get in the mail? You got a deal in the mail that says there's a shortage of water. You're going to have to cut back on your water, right? What'd the farmers find out? They can't grow rice anymore. Hardly any rice is going to be grown, right? What's that going to affect? That's going to affect food. We're going to be short of food because we're short of water. Who caused that? Gavin Newsom caused it. The state of California caused it. There's not a shortage of water. It's what they did with the water. It's like saying to, like you go out and make $100,000 this year and you don't have anything to show for it and you say there's a shortage of money. There's not a shortage of money. It's just what you did with the money. There's not a shortage of water. It's what they did with the water. The mandates they had on the water. And there's not gonna there's not gonna be a shortage of rice. We can grow rice, 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 rice here. We got some of the brightest, uh, wonderful farmers in in the world here, and 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 ag science people in the world. We can do it. But they are shutting down shutting down the food. When I was a child, the lights never never went out. Unless it was a major, major, major storm. And they would go out for a short period of time. Very short period of time. You would never have a brownout. Where you're going to have to. Or te- people telling you you can't run your air conditioning until this time. Or you can't do your clothes until the middle of the night. That's ridiculous. That's an entirely a man-made problem. Every problem that we have is created by politicians. So when you're short of food, I, you know, honestly, people, we're in really bad shape. You're in the f- uh, free fall as a country when you can't feed your babies and you can't, you can't deliver basic utilities to your people. Power, water. And California cannot. And, and they are actually looking us straight in the face without, without a smirk without a giggle, and say that they're going to put up a lot of windmills? This is so silly. Windmills, and they're going to cover the earth with solar reflectors, and they're magically going to convert that electricity, they're going to convert that that uh, wind and solar into energy, but they, they don't have anything to store it with. With water, 
We can store it, right? With, with oil and coal and natural gas, you can make it as you go along. You can control it. Listen, people, it isn't going to work. It doesn't matter how good of, you know, they, they may talk, they cannot do it. If they shut off oil today, the, if, if they want to reduce the population to 500,000, excuse me, 500 million, million, a half a billion, just go totally green today. People will starve to death in a month. Venezuela, I've been studying Venezuela lately. The people of Venezuela were the fourth richest country in the world. Is that hard for you to get? It was the richest country in South America, the fourth richest country with massive oil reserves, farming, agriculture, all kinds of good things going on. You know what happened? The same thing the founding fathers said. If there is not morality, if there is graft, if there's corruption, if there's thievery, uh, the country will collapse. So what happened was, even though there was, they were making fantastic amounts of, of gross, what they call GDP, gross domestic product. It's how much they put out. Even though they were doing very, very well, the, what you had is a bunch of rich people stealing from the average worker who's very happy to just live, live a decent life and just have enough to get by. They're happy. They're content. See, the Bible says, be content with what you have. Don't, don't, always, don't always need a bigger and better. They were content, but the rich people wanted to control and take from the poor people. Same thing we have right now in the United States of America. We have it right now in Yuba Sutter County. People trying to rip us off. I know who I know they are. I know who they are by name. It's not a surprise. It, it's like they they're, they're, they 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 uh, strut their stuff. They tell you they're going to rip you off. And they're and they're they run all the way to the bank, and then their buddies all slap them on the back and destroy your candidate that's going to run against them. So the people of Venezuela got fed up with the graft and believed a guy named Hugo Chavez, who was from the, the poverty sector, and he said, listen, I'm going to change all this. I'm going to take their money from them. I'm going to give it to you. And they bought it, and they, they bought, and they voted in. They voluntarily, the fourth most powerful country economically in the world, they voluntarily voted in socialism. They, they took everybody's farms from them. But they didn't farm them. They took, they ran out the, the oil companies, like the U.S. oil companies. They turned it over to nationals who didn't know how to run them. The entire place collapsed, folks. The average person, this is about eight, ten years ago, the average person had lost by the time they started and finished was down almost 20 pounds. They didn't have enough to eat. There was no medicine in the hospitals. Hospitals were shutting down. People were dying in the hospital. They didn't have enough medicine. They couldn't provide. They couldn't provide for anything. Just like right now. We have, we, in, in 1960s, we had the number one school system in the United States and California. Today, we're the last. And now we just closed it for two years, and it may close again. They don't care. They, that's, they don't care about educating kids anymore. It's just, it's just running a socialist country. And, and to get there, you've got to destroy everything. So that's what we're doing. So, so you wonder how the, the shelves get empty. The shelves in Venezuela are empty. People that would never think about stealing anything got so desperate that they hijacked 
trucks. They blocked off the road, stopped the big 52-foot freight liners, and took the chicken and took the food right out of the back. They didn't wait to go to the store and wait in line. They just intercepted. It's just like the cartel does with, with the avocados in, in Mexico. They just took control of the avocado industry and intercepted the entire truck, took the whole truck. That's exactly what went on in Venezuela. You don't think it'll happen here? I guarantee you. I guarantee. I promise you it will happen here. People will rip off a truck and take the food right out of the back of it before it even gets to the grocery stores. We are just a skosh from it, folks. Haven't you seen all the people freaking out about uh, formula? And in this country, most people weren't dependent on formula like we are today. And it's total crap. When you look at what's in it, it's making their babies sick. It's horrible for babies. All right. So I think I I, I just ran this thing out of time. This is the end. We're down to about, uh, we're into seconds. So thanks for listening. And uh, you know how to get a hold of me if you need anything. And uh, have a good week. And if the Lord is willing, I will be back for another show next time. Okay, thanks for listening. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful Skies are blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night, and I think to myself.